Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Come on! Go! Hey guys, welcome to the Tapping Road. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals. We get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, welcome back. We've got a tap and go first for you this week. It's Matt and I are back together for the first time since lockdown, recording from our tap and go studio. Today we're joined by a player who's played for a whole host of top level clubs and is currently at Bath. He also has represented his country at two Rugby World Cups, including this year in Japan. He's known as the Cornish Fijian, or more commonly as Josh Madavesi. Josh, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no worries. So how have you found quarantine? How have you managed to pass for three and a half months now? Uh, I've got two kids, so it'd be pretty busy. Um, yeah, homeschooling and yeah, sorting those guys out. But um, no, it's been good. I've been lucky. Um, I've been in Cornwall, so having the beach next to me is mm. it's pretty handy, you know, on the hot days. So just jump down for a quick surf. It's quite, it's quite right. easy. For sure. So I guess the Premiership comes back on the 15th of August against London Irish. Um, what, how, what are you doing to sort of prepare for it and sort of... I guess, get your body back in peak condition. Yeah, um, we're, I mean, we're, we're back in stage two now, so um, it's pretty full on. Um, so, yeah, yesterday was a bit of contact stuff, just like you said, prepping the body. Feels a bit weird, you know, tackling someone again and uh, getting tackled. Um, but now it's, it's good. Um, just men- It's more mental, I think, more than anything, rather than physical. It's just, you know, preparing your preparing your mind you know you're going to get back into it so um, I'm, I can't wait I'm pretty eager to get going so, so now more focusing about you so obviously you born in England grew up in Cornwall so you went through the proper grassroots level to get to get into professional rugby how do you find that as someone who traditionally I think are both your parents were Jane so nah my mum's Cornish uh, okay Sorry, yeah how do you sort of get into professional rugby um Wow, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> uh, nah, to start off, my local club, Camborne, I uh, played there for you know pretty much my whole childhood. Had a little spell at a local, another local team called Redruth. Um, 
And then at the age of around about uh, 14, 15, I got spotted by uh, Robin Cowlin and Ricky Pello. They had to do with the Exeter Chiefs. Um, so from then, I just went uh, to Troy College uh, after, after I did my, after year 11. Um, and they were like linked then to the Chiefs. Um, but the Chiefs then were in the championship. So mm. after I finished college, um, we had a pretty successful uh, college team. We won that, uh, the old Daily Mail thing. Twickenham um, and a few of us got in got in uh, contract for the Chiefs so pretty lucky but um, it's all I've ever wanted to do so um, it's pretty driven and uh, yeah uh, ended up playing for the Chiefs um, that year when they got we got promoted and then uh, stayed for most of the season after that in the Premiership so it was it was awesome you know it went so quick um, but then like, I was so young as well mm. Was there anything sort of that you, looking back now, that as a young player you achieved a lot? So I think you're in England under 20s, got the Chiefs promoted. Was there anything that you could sort of think back and perhaps think differently in terms of mentality or sort of approach? Uh, probably would have taken it a bit more serious um, yeah. at college. Uh, and even like my first year at Chiefs um, would have probably taken it a bit more seriously. Um, as in like nutrition and my weights. Um, never really been big into weights. I'm still not. <laughs> but just with the way that the, the game's go, going or has gone, uh, you know, definitely I feel like I've, I've never really hit my potential. Mm. So Matt touched on it there, but you, I think, represented England on the 20s. Is that right? So yeah, well, it, was, it was like a camp thing. It was like really, I was doing the Six Nations. Um, yeah, I just got a call on a Tuesday night, I think. And then I got told I got to, I'm going to Portugal for a, a camp. And I was just like, oh, that's like so, way out of the Was there ever a consideration of pursuing to play for England rather than uh, playing for Fiji as you obviously have ended up? Yeah, if I'm honest, uh, I always wanted to play for England. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a kid growing up, uh, you know, I always wanted to play for England. Um, but, you know, things happen and things change. Um, and to be fair, Fiji were pretty pretty quick on it. You know, my my uh, I've only played about things like five games for the Chiefs in Championship, and it's October, and they said, "Oh, do you want to come and play for Fiji in the November series?" Um, looking back, uh, probably I probably went into it way too quick. Um, you know, I could have I could have just held out a little bit more, and you know, there's always that question in my head of could I have played for England, but. Um, I've been lucky with the career I've had, um, you know, with the way it's gone. So um, I, I don't hold any, like, I don't hold any um, regrets. Mm-hmm. So also, I guess when you were, so you played both 10 centres and 15, is there sort of, in terms of sort of um, getting a flow and sort of a focusing in one position, was that ever sort of difficult for you? Or did you find it natural to play a variety of positions? Uh, growing up, I thought it was like, it just came natural. Um, for me, I just want to play rugby. So I, don't, I really don't care when I, where I played. But then as you get older and the games are more serious and there's more on the line, um, I really think it's beneficial that you kind of nail down one position. I mean, um, it's just more mentally. Um, like as a 12, like I like to be like, quite aggressive and you know, physical. Um, but if you play 10, you've got to real change that mindset up. So you find yourself not doing what you do at 12. And then as well, like you're obviously at 12, you've got a lot, your depth, your timing's all off 10. So it all just roll reversal. You've got to try and change it again. So um, 
it definitely benefited me playing loads of different positions because you get a real appreciation of the different jobs you've got to do and then you need a different type of skill set for each of those jobs but I think the more serious you get into it I think it's really important that you try to nail down at least one you know one position specifically and just get I try and master it if you can. Now are you focusing on obviously you play 12 for bar is that your yeah, I, I love playing time. I, I mean, for me, um, a lot of people looking out, they they just think I'm a battering ram, which you know, I, um, I can do that as part of my game, but I really like distributing. I like putting people through holes and I like offloading and kicking. So um, I'm just, yeah, I look like I should do one thing, but I can do an array of things, which I, I, like, I like doing. So in your career, you obviously... Ooh. Um, in your career, you also started with Exeter, then you went to Racing, Ospreys, and then you went out of Bath, and there's a couple of other clubs in there as well. Did you find that moving around, <laughs> you find, uh, that moving around quite a lot in your career was that did that stop you from getting into a proper rhythm, or was it just, did you enjoy going to different clubs, seeing different routines? And yeah, I mean, um, the the best thing about all those clubs is I've never left any club on bad terms. Like that was the best thing. I never left because of my behaviour. I never left because there's a dispute. I left because I just thought that the club that I was going to next was a better thing in my career. So um, even with Rob Baxter, and then I moved from Racing with uh, Pierre Broncon, uh, Pierre, I forgot his name now, but um, yeah, I've always left on good terms, but I just love traveling. I, I think, you know, I've always wanted to be growing up, you know, kind of like a one club man. I thought, you know, Chiefs, I would have been there my whole career. Mm. But, you know, circumstances change. Um, and to be honest with you, I, uh, yeah, Rob Baxter was awesome. He was really honest with me and just said, I don't think we're getting anywhere with this. Um, you know, Racing's probably a better call for you. So going to France was cool, but um, yeah, uh, probably different. I had a way different mentality when I was, when I was, when I was then 19. You know, for me, if I went back to France, I would, I would have completely changed my mentality because I went to France on that retirement mentality and it's really bad, I know. But you know, you hear all the stories about people going to France and just retiring. Yeah. That's what I thought and that's what I, that's kind of like the picture that was set to me. So I just went there with a completely wrong attitude. Um, but then, you know, I, I kind of reversed what people's thoughts were on me um, and then ended up playing quite a lot for racing and, uh, yeah, things changed. My my wife got pregnant, so I wanted to go back to England to be closer to family. Mm. Was there a big difference in terms of setup and routine between all the clubs? Was it quite similar? Nah. So um, I went from uh, when I went from Exeter to Racing, that was a massive just culture change um, in terms of um, obviously I'm just I was just a Cornish boy going to the Chiefs. So for me, it was what all I knew really. And then to be then in a completely different country with a different language, but then the calibre of players there. So you had like Francois Stein, Juan Martin Hernandez, Cheval, um, Lionel Nali. So I'm kind of like, well, a bit of starstruck. Kind of what am I doing here sort of thing. Um, but I learned so many lessons in that. I think me going out there by myself was probably the best thing because it just meant I had to get on with it. Um, and then moved to Worcester. After that, and then Richard Hill ran a pretty tight ship, um, and then he left, and then Dean Ryan came in, and that was even stricter. <laughs> but he's good. Uh, he's a good bloke. I like Dean. Um, and then I went to Ospreys, and Ospreys was kind of similar to Racing, as in like the caliber of players there. 
pretty much had the whole Welsh Welsh team in you know in the squad. So the standards there were great, and it was very. I re- I really enjoyed Ospreys. Um, I think it brought the best out of me that that uh, the environment with people driving themselves, and then Newcastle was just um, great. Um, had such a good time there. Family loved it there. Um, and Dean Richards, uh, I can I can speak highly enough of him. He's probably the best DOR I've ever had. Um, loves a loves old school. Um, you always got to catch a bus back from an away game. So yeah, always having a few beers on the bus. Just yeah, I really got on well with him. And then uh, Bath now is is good. Um, it's a club that I was at when I was about thirteen, fourteen, when my uncle ran the academy. So there's a few faces there still. So it's good, and I'm comfortable at Bath. I'm as in like not comfortable as in playing, but I'm comfortable as in the environment. I can be myself, which is the main thing. Um, so you touched on the fact that you have two kids. Do you find it quite tough moving around so often? So that with the whole family, I have to move the family up to Newcastle and then say back down to Bath. Yeah, so my oldest is born in Worcester, so I was at the Warriors when Worcester when I was my oldest was born, and my youngest is in Swansea. So um, when after the Newcastle thing, when Dean said that, you know, I'm not going to not going to be resigning me because you know there's a few things going on behind the scenes, nothing to do with the playing side, but it's just I think it was financially. He said, "Look, I think it's you know best if you you know um." He was really, really honest with me, which is good. He just said, I think it's best if you start looking now, you know, to help your family, because I know obviously they're in school and stuff. So Bath for me was a great move because it means now my my wife and kids, they're, they're in Newquay, in Cornwall, yeah. um, where, where where we live. And uh, I'm just literally two hours up the road. So the kids are settled in school. Um, you know, it was really tough actually moving from Newcastle out because, like you said, they, they got their group of friends in there and it's quite tough to... You know, I would hate to be the new kid at school, and uh, you know, luckily now for my kids, they're not they're not going to have that because they'll be settled now. So, talking more about your international career, was that we were wondering whether there was a process in the way that you found out about your first cap? So, did you have to go? Was there an initiation or a special like ceremony that you had to go undergo? Nah, lucky. Um, because the the Fijian boys are quite religious, so there's not really a lot of drinking going on. So there's no like initiations, which was good to be fair. Um, but they're they are really uh um you know unity and team team is a massive thing like uh family is a massive thing so um even before every game there's always a jersey presentation the night before a game and a lot of singing um a few hymns uh bible verses so now it's quite special um we had a few a few um few, uh I think was, who did we play we played a few uh, played a country before and they kept, we invited a few of them over to come and look at the the jersey presentation. And they were just like, "Well, I wish we, you know, wish we did that um, before every game." Because I think uh, a lot of teams just do it before, like um, a special occasion. If someone's got a fiftieth, uh, a debut, so on. So you know, we do it every Fiji do it every single international game, which is you know quite special. Really shows how much you value rugby as a as a nation. Yeah, it's uh, it's is the the reason I like playing for Fiji. I like playing for Fiji is just because of the the values the boys hold. Um, no one's there for a financial game because there's no money. So you're there for the right reasons, which is, you know, at the end of the day, what rugby's all about. Would you say that's like the most special thing about playing for Fiji? So the camaraderie and so the yeah, spirit. yeah, sure. yeah, definitely the camaraderie and then definitely like um, just how crazy the the country gets. 
Yeah. It's such a tough, okay, it's not really, I don't know, there's, I don't know if there's a word to describe it, it's just the country's just glued to the, what, that test week. Mm. Um, so obviously you also, so you've been to two World Cups, very lucky you came to England four years ago in Japan in the autumn. Did you say, talking about England first, did you find, I think you played England in the first game, didn't you? How did you go about nulling, obviously, a very excited crowd who, at the time, were quite excited about England's chances? Yeah, I mean, it was... The, the, the first thing was that we, we were lucky enough that we had a lot of players playing in England in that, in that tournament. So, to be fair, a lot of players already knew what kind to expect, but then, obviously, a World Cup's a different gravy. It's like another step up. So, we were the opening ceremony as well. So, like, we didn't have... Like, the warm-up zone, we only had the dead ball to warm up in. Because obviously they were doing the opening ceremony, so you know we we could hardly do anything in that in the warm up. Um, because obviously they were setting and getting ready for when we go back in the change rooms and then do the ceremony. So that was really weird. And then obviously you come out and it's just the the atmosphere is a cauldron. Um, but you know England England opening game, you know we always knew that they were going to come out firing. And to be fair, they, you know they did. Mm. And then obviously. You had Uruguay in your group, who was the game that you won. Did you go about that as like the biggest game of your tournament? Because realistically, for you, that was the one which you knew that you should probably should win. Yeah, well, we went because we were opening game. We thought we we would catch England out because you know I think we played the week before against Canada, so, and I don't think England had played for like two or three weeks, so we thought we would catch them. Um, but then as well, like you don't go to a World Cup trying to pick your games to win. So like we we had literally all the belief of going to every single game, England, uh, Australia, Wales, and then Uruguay. You know, we we truly believed in we were gonna win everyone. Because I think that's the mentality you gotta have going into a World Cup. Mm. Yeah, definitely difficult, especially in that pool of death from twenty fifteen. So I guess moving on to the twenty nineteen World Cup. So it was in Japan, a total different setting. What was it like, I guess, playing in Japan? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the coolest cities that our countries have ever been to. Um just in terms of the cleanliness of the place, um, how respectful uh the people are and polite the people are. Um they couldn't do enough for you. You, you. you don't have to even know them and they'll, you know, try and help you. Um and then the weather as well. The weather was good, it's humid, it was very like, much like Fiji, so a lot of the boys were at home with that and uh, we, we really thought that we could use that against, you know, other teams that we were playing against. And then, obviously, the food in Japan is, you know, top-notch. Uh, couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> um, and obviously, in 2019, you were pulled against Uruguay again. But this time, Uruguay actually got the better of you. I think it was one of the best games of the World Cup. It was so close, but so thrilling. That because, <laughs> not, obviously, not for you. But um, was that because you think Uruguay's rugby programme has got so much better? Or was it just an off day for Fiji? Or um, I'm not going to hold any excuses they played better. They wanted it more than us. Um, we put. I feel like we put all of our eggs into one basket with Australia. We we must have trained eight nine weeks before that, just solely on Australia. Um, all the plays, um, all of our energy into that game, and it was tough. Um, sports tough in November. The November before Fiji beat Uruguay like eighty or nil, yeah. and then we had Uruguay four days or three days after Australia. So mentally as well it's tough you know you think oh, it's going to be the same as November but to be fair to Uruguay you could just see that they were way more hungrier than us and uh, you know we thought that we were just going to steamroll like they did in November but 
credit where credit's due, man. Like they come out and they they you know they played their socks off. We just thought we were gonna kind of coast it. Mm-hmm. And I guess you also beat Georgia in that same in the same sort of group. What what was that like? Sort of did, once you beat Georgia, did you feel there was some momentum gaining? Yeah, we had a massive week that week. Um, after losing to Uruguay, um, we had a massive sit down, and we were just saying Georgia are gonna have it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually beat Georgia at their own game. Um, scrummaging, you know, scrum them off the park, which is, you know, unheard of um, for Fiji. So we really want to give the, like, the rugby world a wake-up call that, you know, that we're at the World Cup. So um, as bad as Uruguay was to see the resilience of the boys um, against Georgia, yeah, we were fired up. And then it was kind of that Wales game, um, you know, we went in, we went in there with total belief that we were going to roll them over. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you also got to play your brother Sam um, at the World Cup, which is one thing which I mean, any siblings would dream of doing. You achieved it. What was that like? No, it was good. Um, I haven't ever, I haven't played. The last time I played with them was back in Cornwall, and yeah, we're, we're a really competitive bunch of brothers. Uh, there's another one as well, Joel, who plays at Newcastle. Um, you know, as kids growing up, it was rugby, football, tennis, cricket, boxing. You know, we were doing it um, against each other as well. So. Um, to have him there was good because just spending time with your brother is always good, isn't it? Your family. So um, to I know, to be able to be fair to be able to share a room with him as well, just you know keeping in touch uh, with you know my nephews and nieces, um, and then same for my kids as well was good. And that was special. Uh, cherished it. Um, but yeah, we got heavy into FIFA, um, <laughs> so we were trying to smash each other up. <laughs> So I guess we want to move on and talk about sort of like rugby in Fiji and how it's sort of the development and the growth. Where wh- where do you think the Fiji rugby could go in the future? Sort of like what's its potential? The sky's the limit with Fiji. That's what I think. Um, it just needs the right people running it. And to be fair, the the new appointments of um, Simon uh, Rawa Louis and Vern Cotton, you know, if they don't succeed under those two, uh, you know, I don't really know how be, you know, what's going to happen after that because. I worked with Simon at Racing and, you know, his credentials speak for themselves. He's he's one of the nicest blokes I've ever ever worked with. Um and he only wants the best for Fiji rugby and he Vern, you know, I've heard the stories of Vern when he was in Scotland and uh, he expects excellence. So, you know, hopefully those two can help drive the standards and then especially in not so much the playing side, it's more the, the off field, the that side of the game. Hopefully those two can pick up um, the back office and you know drive Fiji to to where it belongs because that's all that's all we want as players is to be to be successful you've spoken about the lack of support from world rugby with Fiji and the fact that I think you had to pay for your own plane ticket to Japan didn't you and we're still waiting to pay back for that do you want to speak a little bit more about that yeah, it's tough um look, there's, I, I'm in, I'm in I'm no financial <laughs> expert but when you play with boys who play for England and so on, and you obviously see how much they get per game and you see how well they get looked after. All we kind of want is an equal playing field. That's, that's kind of all we're asking for. It's not even the money side of it. We just want to get treated fairly. That, that, that's all. Um, but I just think education's a massive, massive thing. Um, I just think financially speaking, I think people in... People who are dealing with that sort of side in Fiji need to be financially okay properly because at the end of the day, it is a business, I know that, but 
you know, you can't have international players going to a World Cup paying for their own things. Do you think Fiji 15's potential is to be do, to get up to the standard of Fiji 7s, who are obviously fighting every year at the top of the World Series? It's tough. It's tough because 7s is the number one sport. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's like football over here. 7s over there is the main... That's all everyone cares about is 7s. Um, so, so it's a real tough, tough mould to break. But we're trying to... I think what the Fiji are trying to do is just trying to make that transition from sevens to fifteens a lot easier, which then if you get the big names from sevens trying to play fifteens, I think that will help bring the crowd over. But to be fair, the the crowd's nuts in Fiji. So it is unbelievable to play in um in Fiji because um there's only so many so many places available tickets available, but everyone seems to be there. The whole, whole country seems to be at the stadium. So and everyone seems to be a, a rugby expert, which is good because it just shows they care. And I guess on that note of like international fixtures, where do you sort of see Fiji like aligning themselves? Because there's talk of, well, there was talk of joining sort of the rugby championship and then there's now like Six Nations and so on. Where do you think it's the best place? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I feel like the Fiji have earned their right to, to get more tier one teams to play against. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the team sheet that Fiji have the potential of putting out, and it's you know, it's, it's star-studded, is ridiculous. Um, but you know, we need to produce the goods on the field as well. You know, we need to get the right results. We can't be, we can't be getting pumped against tier ones or tier twos, and then demanding to be playing against tier ones all the time. Yeah. But then I, it shows, you know, look, Argentina they they have a consistent amount of games against tier one nations, and you see how, how they just you know gone straight up. Um, so, you know, in Fiji, luckily, they, they've started that Drua team, which is like a reserve team. Mm. Uh, they play in Australia. And it just means the locals now, back in the day, the, the overseas guys and then the local guys were miles apart because obviously the competition in Fiji is not up to standard of the Premiership or top 14. So, luckily, now they've, they're playing in Australia, which just means now the locals are that much more upskilled and the the jump between that and international is not as much as it used to be, which is great. Um, so I think we'll finish up quite soon, but we've got a couple more questions. So we're wondering what the toughest game you've actually you played in, or like the toughest opposition or player that you've come up against. Um, toughest player is probably Manu or Charles Pietau. Uh The reason I hate playing Manu is just you, I don't think you realize how big he is when you play against him like he is huge like not as in like height but just like the density of the bloke mm. so, like, he uh, is like hitting a fridge freezer have you played him on the international stage or just as club level no I've played him international as well but I'm always at 10 when I play for for Fiji so you know it's nice when you got like him and Billy Vanapola running at each channel <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then Charles Pietel is another one um, I, I hate facing that bloke. He can step you, run over you, run around you. He's just yeah. You're just trying to close your eyes and hope he you get there. <laughs> so I guess for our last question, we we ask this question to all our guests, and it's their favourite moment in their career. Uh, it would be my first cap against Scotland. That was probably my my favourite moment, and then also. The just the, how proud my family was of me getting selected for the Barbarians. 
So that that was really cool. I really enjoyed that whole week, and that was probably my favorite, probably my favorite week of like leading up to a game and the game. That's probably my my favorite moment in rugby. What was it about the Barbarians that you enjoyed so much? Um, it, it's a very much, it reminded me of playing for my local amateur club. Just like train and have a few beers, train, have a few beers. Just so relaxed, but got onto the field and just like. Just played rugby. There was no like um, in the Premiership, and there's no one's fault. But in the Premiership, there's a lot of calls, a lot of structure. Whereas the Barber's just like you know when you used to play rugby when you were a kid, it's just like that. Mm. So we're lucky to have Semi Renraja as well because just mm-hmm. give him the, he scored about four tries. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I just like to say thank you very much for your time. It was, I guess fascinating here about sort of rugby in Fiji, and it definitely seems like a place that sort of has this culture about rugby and sort of values, especially sort of the, the positive and good aspects of the game. So, yeah, thanks for sharing. Thanks yeah, for having thanks. me on. Thank you so much, Josh. Appreciate and, it. Thank time, boys, as well. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate yeah. it. Sure. And uh, for all our listeners, don't forget to follow our Instagram at the tap and go to get all sneak peeks and hear about next week's guest. Oh, come on! Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.